0: everyone. This is Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. Today, we're going to be diving back into our relationship series with a really important message. Our theme today is on letting guys be guys, or another way of saying that would be making room for strong masculinity. It's a very foreign concept in our world where men are becoming more feminized and it's more popular for men to be more like women than men. There's a really powerful description in Job chapter 29 where he explains the type of man that God had built him into. And in Job 29, 17, he says, I broke the jaws of the wicked and pulled the spoil out of his teeth. It's this powerful picture of aggressive, bold, godly manhood, and yet it's a little bit jarring for us in modern culture to say, wow, that seems a little too intense. Are guys supposed to be like that? Are they supposed to be breaking the jaws of the wicked and pulling the spoil out of his teeth? Well, I want to take a look at that biblically today. I was speaking at a conference a few years ago, and I had asked my husband, Eric, to come along and to speak during some of my sessions because we often speak as a team, and I felt that he had some really valuable things to share with the women from a male perspective. And if you've ever heard Eric speak, he speaks with great passion and boldness and volume when he's delivering a message. He wasn't always like that, but God had worked on him quite a few years ago to just rise up and speak in a more authoritative way and and to learn how to preach the gospel with boldness instead of just sort of teach in a passive way. And that's, that's a whole story that you would have to listen to his testimony of, of how God did that in, in his life. But at this conference, he delivered words with love and with compassion, but also with power and strength. And many of the women at this conference were really impacted by what he said and how he said it. But there were also women who were really offended, not necessarily by the truth that he spoke, but mainly because he spoke it with such power and authority. He was a little too masculine in his delivery, and even though the setting was a women's conference, they probably weren't expecting something very manly at it, but. As a woman, I personally find it encouraging and inspiring to see a man who is willing to speak the gospel in a strong, bold, powerful way, and yet many modern women don't see it that way. They prefer a soft-spoken, wishy-washy man rather than one that has true backbone and grit. Why is that? Why is that the case? Because it's very ironic. Women long for men to rise up and be these valiant, heroic, you know, prince charmings of our childhood fairy tales. You hear that all the time. But yet, when women encounter a truly masculine man, oftentimes their feminine sensibilities become offended. And the reason for this is because many times our feminine sensibilities have been groomed by a culture that says it is not socially acceptable for a man to really be a man. Today's culture has attempted to cleanse the dirt and the grit off of modern guys. The result is sort of like a counterfeit version of masculinity, which a few years ago, somebody coined the phrase metro manhood or metro guys. And it's not necessarily as popular of a term today, but the, the gist of it is men who act a little bit more like women than men. They've gotten in touch with their feminine side. And it's become a very popular belief that women applaud a soft-spoken, super-sensitive, socially-groomed version of manhood. And yet, in reality, that version of masculinity falls short of what women really desire. Because when you take the manly stuff out of masculinity, as one godly young man told me, you are left with weak men and unprotected women. Just think about this. Every young girl, until she is brainwashed by the culture's feminist agenda, dreams of a heroic knight who will slay the evil dragon on her behalf and sweep her away to his castle. But feminized men, men who have been groomed by this culture to be in touch with their feminine side, are usually too concerned about maintaining the cleanliness of their designer jeans and keeping their trendy hairstyle perfect to actually get their hands dirty protecting a woman. Now, don't misunderstand me. I'm definitely not against men smelling sweeter, dressing nicer, gaining a bit more dignity to their table manners. And in fact, Eric has written for years about something he calls warrior poet manhood, talking about the fact that godly men are meant to showcase both the strength and the sensitivity of Jesus Christ. So Christ-built manhood is not just about sweat, blood, and battle cries. It's also about compassion, tenderness, nobility, and dignity. And yet the modern version of this metro wishy-washy manhood is really just a twisted counterfeit of the poet side of a man, the way God intended a man to be. For one thing, that kind of wishy-washy manhood only emphasizes a man's soft side. It completely disregards the strength that men were created to demonstrate in their lives. And it often looks to the fashion industry or pop culture trends rather than the example of Christ to define the kind of sensitivity, nobility, and dignity that God created men to display. And so that you end up with a watered-down, mediocre version of masculinity that gives guys an excuse to be self-indulgent, lazy, wimpy, and jarringly feminine. Our culture says that a man's intrinsic desire to sound a war cry and charge into battle is unsavory, undesirable, and socially incorrect. Our culture looks down on a man who takes a firm stand for truth and who is strong in his beliefs. And as a result, we are very hard-pressed to really find men who actually fight battles or stand for anything. All too many of them sit on their couches playing video games and watching action movies, sort of living that action side of their life out digitally, while this dying world perishes for lack of real-life valiant warriors. And our marriages are languishing because men aren't standing up and actually being men. So let's look at the biblical pattern for godly manhood, because even many Christian men today have allowed the culture to define their masculinity, and they have conveniently morphed scripture to be accommodating to modern times. It's easy to overlook the stunning displays of God-infused masculine strength that is presented all throughout scripture, like for instance, David killing a lion and a bear with his bare hands, or Jashoboam single-handedly defeating 800 Philistines. Um, just imagine that. Or Samson annihilating entire armies with the jawbone of a donkey, or Josiah ruthlessly grinding to dust all the idols of the false gods, or Elijah calling down fire from heaven and slaying 350 false prophets until the brook that was nearby overflowed with their their blood. And somehow I can't imagine any of these mighty men of God doing those valiant exploits in women's tight pants and lip gloss, or even using a dignified, quiet voice as they charge into battle. And then you can look at the example of Christ. He did display incredible tenderness, humility, and compassion when he healed the sick. He embraced children, took children up on his knee, and referred to himself as the good shepherd. But he also exuded superhuman strength and power. By calming the winds and the waves, walking on water, driving out the temple money changers with a whip, walking through the midst of an angry mob that was trying to cast him off of a cliff, and conquering sin and death by bearing the guilt of the entire world in his own body and rising from the grave on the third day. Not to mention the awe-inspiring description of Christ in the book of Revelation, where it says, I saw the heaven open. And behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name... Written That no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the word of God. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. And he himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has a name on his robe and on his thigh, a name written, King of Kings, and Lord of Lords. Wow. This is Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate man, the ultimate king. He is greater, mightier, stronger, and more powerful than anything that our minds can comprehend. And so in the face of this kind of spectacular majesty, how can we possibly reason by saying Jesus was a softy, and therefore we should be too, because Christ was the ultimate blend of strength and sensitivity. He rules the nations with a rod of iron, and yet he's the prince of peace. He commands the winds and the waves to obey him, and yet little children find refuge in his arms. He's the ultimate warrior poet, and as it says in 1 Peter 2.21, he left us an example that we should follow in his steps. And this applies to masculinity. It's the example of Christ, not the culture that men are supposed to be following. Jesus was anything but a metro male or a wishy-washy feminized male. And it's time that we start allowing men to rise up to the standard of Christ there's a balance here. We are not to excuse mediocrity in modern manhood because there are other types of men who are, Eric refers to them as burp and scratch and males, that they're very selfish. They're burly. They're, you know, wear the wife beater t-shirts. Maybe <laughs> they're only interested in one thing. They're, they're, they're strong men, but they're strong for very selfish and perverse reasons. And that is not the kind of masculinity that we should applause. The selfish, animalistic guys of today are also just counterfeits of the warrior side of what God created them to be. So we need to gain God's vision for masculinity, a blend between Christ-like strength and Christ-like sensitivity. That boils down to a man who will protect purity and not conquer it. A man who will stand for truth and not cave to the social sensibilities of our modern times. A man who puts Jesus Christ above his own reputation and selfish desires. So, when we see glimmers of this type of masculinity emerging in today's men, we shouldn't complain about the fact that it's not feminine enough, it's not soft enough. We shouldn't become offended because of its masculine tone. We need to remember that God has designed men not to be women, but to be men. It's time that we made room for guys to rise up and answer the war cry of God's spirit. Men need to be allowed to stand for firm truth, to speak their convictions with boldness, and to fight God's battles with all the masculine strength that he intends them to have. So I encourage you not to get in the way of God's plan for raising up strong men in this day. And I want to give you a few practical ways that you can encourage Christ-like strength in the men around you. First of all, as we've already said, don't be offended when guys demonstrate godly boldness and strength. That doesn't mean we put up with or we just excuse selfish strength. But when it's Christ-like boldness and strength, when it means standing boldly for what you believe and speaking truth with power and authority, that's not something we should say, oh, that's too um, manly. I don't like it. You know, I want you to be more like a woman. I want you to be a little more soft. I was in a conversation once with a group of men who worked for a Christian publishing company, and Eric was speaking to them what he felt should be in one of his books, and one of the publishers who was a very, I call him like a Christian metro guy, he was a very soft um, man who really was acting a lot more like a woman than a man. I I was surprised to learn that he was married and had children because I wasn't sure uh, even of his sexual orientation. He was so feministic in how he acted and how he spoke. And yet here he was, you know, a Christian publisher, a leading guy at a Christian publisher. And Eric had said some things, not even personally against him, but just about, okay, I, I really want my book to communicate this, this, and this. And the, the publisher guy said, well, I'm just really hurt. It just hurts me that you would emphasize those points in this book. And both of Eric and I were trying to stifle laughter because we hadn't heard a man use that kind of language before. You're just so hurt by these bold truths. That doesn't even make sense. It just—it was just such a clear picture of that feminization that has happened to so many men today. And so when you see strength, when you see a man who really is taking a stand for what he believes then cheer it on. Encourage it. Let them know that you appreciate them taking a strong stand for what they believe. Because everywhere they go, they're getting the pressure to tone it down, to not be so masculine, to not be so strong. And study the scriptural pattern for masculinity. And Job 29 is a great place to start. Looking at when God builds a man according to his pattern, What does that man look like? How does he speak? How does he act? What does he say? What does he do with his life? And once you catch a vision of God's pattern and stop looking at the trends of the culture to define what you approve of and what you think is acceptable, then you'll begin to recognize godly manhood when you see it and be able to encourage it in the men in your life. And pray for the men in your life to rise up to that standard. Even if you don't see it in their life right now, begin to pray that God would build them into Job 29 men, warrior poet men that have that Christ-like strength and the Christ-like sensitivity that God designed them to have. And as I've said, don't take your cues from the culture to define what's desirable based on what's popular in the world. Take your cue from scripture. A few years ago, there was a magazine cover I can't remember if it was People Magazine. I think it was. But it was in the grocery store. And they were they were demonstrating, you know, here is one of the most attractive men in the world today. You know, women just swoon over this guy. And he was the guy who was the star of the Twilight series. And even on the cover of the magazine, he looked pale and sickly and like he was on his deathbed. But uh, and Eric <laughs> made a comment to me. It's like, that guy is sick. You know, he's pale, he's washed out, he's wimpy, he's skinny, he looks like death warmed over. And yet the culture is putting his image on this magazine and saying, girls, don't you think this is attractive? It's it's really ridiculous what the culture lifts up and says this is desirable. So don't take your cues from the culture. Look to the pattern of scripture to define what is um, honorable and admirable in manhood today. So some final thoughts that I want to share with you. Pop culture, in my opinion, can keep its feminized, spineless, delicate masculinity that offends no one and pleases everyone. I would prefer Job 29 men over that any day. Men with backbone, grit, strength, and a resounding battle cry. We need to remember that when men are truly men, fairy tales come true. marriages work. And when men are truly men, the world can be turned upside down for Jesus Christ. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. For more on this topic, I encourage you to join us for our upcoming Set Apart conference, May 26th and 27th, where we'll be doing an entire session on how to encourage the men in your life towards brave-hearted manhood. Visit setapartgirl.com to see how you can join us in Colorado or stream a simulcast. And the simulcasts are available all throughout the summer. So I hope you'll join us for that session. And I pray that you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.